So the first thing that we we will be discussing in this edition of Old Time Trio is the 1933 short film Free Little Pigs. It's a Walt Disney silly symphony and it's one of the all-time classics. It's based on, obviously, the fable of the Free Little Pigs with music by Carl Stalling, who you will remember uh, worked on a lot of the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies stuff later on. It also includes uh, a song, original song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf by Frank Churchill. The version that we are talking about is the edited version from 1948, which removed the Jewish stereotype that was present in the original. It's available to stream on Disney Plus and... Wow, uh, 90 years later, does it still cut the mustard? Is it still uh, a fun little thing? Or uh, have the three little pigs finally had their house blown down? Well, that's what we're about to find out. Um, But because this is a short, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. So we're going to discuss this and I'm going to set a two minute timer. Because it's a short. So tell me, Andrea, uh, your time starts in just a moment. What did you think of the Free Little Pigs? I would say, um, trying to keep it concise, I think that, um, yes, I would say it does stand up as a fun fun little telling of the tale. Um, It's quite compelling. It looks magnificent, even after all this time. True to Disney, I think um, it's bright, colourful, fun, engaging. The villain, very villainous, without being kind of too disturbing, as some animations from that time can be. And some very confident pigs as well. Even after having their house blown down, very hardy, very... You know, who's afraid of the big bad wolf after having their house blown down? Um, there, There is some confidence in there by them. Uh, is this the best telling? Well, personally, I would say no. I personally preferred the, the Warner Brothers cartoon entitled, I think it's called Free Little Bops, which imagines them as jazz musicians. But I think that... <laughs> Um, that kind of stems from this one where they're playing the fiddle and, you know, that type of thing. The music is really solid. Uh, that that tune's going to be stuck in her head now for a few days. <laughs> I would say so. Definitely so. Um, he did a follow-up, Walt Disney, called um well it was just a follow-up to the three little pigs i don't have it in front of me so i'm not going to be silly and uh (laughs) and name it but he did a follow-up and it didn't do as well as this one um and i think walt disney later on would often say you can't top pigs with pigs um and that that's why he didn't do a lot of sequels so that is the end of that that's the three little pigs Uh, which is available to stream on Disney Plus from 1933. Go and check it out.
So the next film that we shall be talking about with no timer is the 1952 psychological thriller from 20th Century Fox, Don't Bother to Knock, starring Richard Widmark and Marilyn Monroe. And um, the movie was directed by English director Roy Ward Baker. It was shown on Talking Pictures very recently, um, as they do broadcast quite a lot of 20th Century Fox movies. At the present time, I don't think it's available on streaming. The film itself is based on the 1951 novel by Charlotte Armstrong, entitled Mischief. So, Andrea, we watched this the other night. Uh, what did you make of this black and white classic? Well, I think I didn't go in with any expectation apart from, I think, maybe a bit of a preconceived idea. Uh, you know, it's Marilyn Monroe. About Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And I have to say that initially uh, I was very sceptical because she came on screen and... She did that breathy voice that she does. Yeah, she seemed to be kind of doing the Monroe that you expect. And I will say, I don't think... Uh, you had seen one film of hers. I had never watched her in a in a whole movie. And so you came at this completely fresh. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing to explain about this film is, basically, it's set in a hotel. It doesn't go anywhere else. Um, Marilyn Monroe's character, she plays a babysitter who is obviously babysitting a couple who are um, a child of a couple who were downstairs. And she inadvertently meets this man. And it seems as though that she she maybe isn't what you think she is sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, yes. it's an odd... It's an odd situation. You're kind of gradually unravelling who she actually is and what's happened to her. And I think it's fair to say that if you were making this movie now, you would go a different route on it because it touches a lot of stuff around mental health. Yeah. And maybe, as I often say, uh, the way in which it's handled is quite clunky. But by the end, uh, I cast away all my doubts about whether Marilyn could turn in a performance in a non-comedy um, mainly because Richard Widmark was carrying her, it seemed, for some of the movie. And Bancroft also plays a part in it. Although, to be honest, if you go out and make a coffee and come back, uh, you pretty much miss her <laughs> unless you're listening to the music that happens in the background. Um, there were moments of humour which are provided by Jim Backus and um, Werner Felton, which was very a very odd thing. But I think it just added to the suspense of everything else. And the fact that most of it takes place in this hotel, in this one room, in room 809. And like I say, by the end, I was invested. And the way in which they did it, I don't think could be topped. I would agree. I think it was incredibly compelling. Um, initially, you definitely... Maybe all this time later, you don't necessarily expect it to be quite as effective as it is at saying what it's trying to say. 
Yeah, I suppose really you've got the surrounding supporting cast and they're great. The little girl, I think, <laughs> there was a particular moment that you rewound to watch again because I kind of laughed at it in surprise at how good her acting was just in this one facial expression. Got to throw that in there. Yeah. Um. So kudos to the actress who played the little girl character. Um. But... Uh, really, it's mostly a two-hander between Widmark and Monroe, and they were both great. Um, she was unnerving, very convincingly unnerving, and I think maybe the kind of uh, monotone delivery that she often gives really worked in this context. At first, I was like, oh, no, she's going to be very one note. Yeah. And it's like, actually, that one note works in this situation. Exactly. It works in favour of, actually, the context. And I don't think I've ever seen Richard Widmark in a bad movie. Well, I think he's maybe been in some bad movies, but he's one of those actors who always turns in a great performance. Well, I think ever since we, we saw him in No Way Out with Sidney Poitier. Oh, yes. Where he was so convincing. And the thing is, in, in this film, Don't Bother to Knock, he is a bit of a lad, you might say. Yeah. And you're not really with him at first. You're like, well, you're just being a... You're being a one, aren't you? And then by the end, you almost see him unravel and you see the real person. Yeah. And you see that actually when he was making promises to his girlfriend, played by Anne Bancroft, at the beginning, that he might actually have a soul and and some, some sympathy and some empathy and heart yes. uh, that isn't always present when it looks like the exterior is kind of just looking for a good time. Yeah. I guess as well it's kind of um, they are kind of each other in reverse, if that makes sense. So the Monroe character starts off looking very fluffy and sweet and, you know, soft. And then we gradually see that there's a lot more going on in there. She's, you know, quite damaged and, and there's some quite, there's a lot of hardness about her as a result of that and with Widmark's character you find that he's hard and prickly at the beginning and seems emotionless and then as the film goes on that hard tough exterior is gradually dismantled and we find that actually he's quite soft and fluffy inside. It was a real roller coaster from beginning to end and um, supplemented with moments of comedy by as i say Werner felton jim backus <laughs> was in there i misspoke her husband was played by uh don Bedo, who i'm not sure i was familiar with but a lot of the phrases he was saying a lot of the kind of things was like this is slightly out of place but that's the whole idea it's to build this suspense because Werner played the kind of character that she always plays in this thing sort of the busybody <laughs> who wants it. to know what what's going on yeah and that was incredibly funny that she almost gets the wrong end of the stick but she's actually right um in a in a roundabout way yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah uh, this this is one of those movies that 
is often touted, I think, as like one of Marilyn's best performances, and I can see why. Uh, it's perhaps not one of her most well-known roles because people are thinking about some like it hot and how to marry a millionaire and the, the glitzy side. Yeah, the glamorous ones. Her catalogue. So that is don't bother to knock. Um, do check your listings. It may be on again. And um, bother a certain company who now own the rights to it as well. They might just put it on their streaming service. We're going to talk about uh, a television program now, which first started on BBC in 1949, and it ran basically on and off until 1998. And the reason we're talking about it is because BBC Four have started showing a series of it um, from 1979. If you haven't guessed by now, we're going to talk about Come Dancing, which in the era in which we're referring to was presented by Terry Wogan with commentary by Ray Moore. It's a ballroom dancing competition, but not in the strictly mould that would later become associated with the words come dancing. It was an amateur dance competition. I'd never seen any episodes of the original. I've got quite bored of Strictly, if I'm honest with you. It's never really been for me, but this, Andrea, was uh, a completely different thing because this is one of those shows you've heard about and now, thanks to BBC Four and their remastering team, you can finally see a series in context, not just little clips. As you say, we all know that the Come Dancing part of Strictly Come Dancing started a very long time ago and was something very different. Extremely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically only by reputation. They generally only play clips of like that really high up looking down at the whole ballroom kind of shot of the audience dancing at the end um, is mainly what I've seen in terms of clips of the any any part of the run of, of original Come Dancing. I almost wasn't sure what to expect and... I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, I should add, neither of us are interested in the least in dancing. Like, we didn't even dance at our wedding. It's not a thing that we do. It's not a thing that we enjoy, dancing in front of people or, you know, it's just not a thing really for us. But that show almost makes you want to dance because it's just packed. You know, Strictly, if you don't know, American listeners, Strictly Come Dancing is like Dancing with the Stars. It's it's the original of, of, of Dancing with the Stars is where it came from. So this show we're talking about is like the great grandfather of, <laughs> of Dancing with the Stars. And the thing about Strictly is it's a two hour show and you see like 12 dancers, but it takes two hours to see them. And... It's very padded uh, and it, it's it's a light entertainment show. It's not really about the dancing. No. The thing about Come Dancing is it's 45 minutes of pretty much non-stop dance. I think yeah, if you, solid. If you timed it, I think you'd get maybe a maximum of three minutes of Wogan and the the other 42 minutes is just solid dancing. Absolute maximum because... He literally comes on, goes, it's going to be this couple, have at it. Then they dance for a bit. Then he goes, scores, please. They hold up their cards. 
no chat, no comments, no messing around. And the thing to and thing then is, straight back. <laughs> you see three couples, three or four couples. Four couples, yeah, yeah. Because I think each. So what it is the format of the program is that they have two different regions in I guess there's like a national or was then I don't quite know how it works but like a national association I suppose of like dance clubs almost like or areas that compete in you know like southwest that kind of thing um and on the program you get two competing regions and they each turn in, I think, two dancers for each type of dance, isn't it? Yeah, some, something along it's, those it's lines. It's kind of as teams. So there's like, you know, the the southeast team and then the northwest, you know, will be competing against each other that week. So then you see these dancers go one after the other with different tunes, I might add, and sometimes different kinds of dances. And then uh, you've got Ray Moore commentating over the top and sometimes um he doesn't interfere with it i think these days they'd say oh no he's talking all over the dancing it's like no he's telling you about the contestants instead of having you know two to three minutes of people training and and the life story and sob stories he gets it all done and dusted in like 30 seconds less than 30 seconds per couple and that means you could just focus on the dancing and I think the thing I can compare it to is Eurovision. That's kind of what it feels like, where they're just getting on with it. It's a competition. Um, we're not padding it out with anything. And like I say, Ray Moore is so dry um, with his comments. It's funny you should use that word. I was just thinking in my head, you would think, except I guess I'm thinking of it in a different context, um, he is very dry with his comments in a kind of witty, light, um, just very matter of fact almost kind of way. You know, he's just telling you the bare facts. He's had a chat with them all earlier in the day, got a little bit of chat about each one. You know, you know, uh, she's been dancing for five years and she sews her own costumes. Um, and he's a page free enthusiast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most bizarre piece of information he added. But as a rule, I think you would expect a programme like this made all that time ago that started as far back as it did. So it's kind of a fossil by the point that we're watching. Um or could be, I think you would expect it to be really dry as in boring and staid and stale and lacklustre and completely uninteresting. But the pacing of this programme, as you point out, it's absolutely packed. They barely stop for anything. I mean, they have the old time section. They've they've got different different dances. In 1979, they introduced a disco section, which is hilarious. You kind of think that's going to be the most interesting part because, oh, it's much more upbeat and everything. But actually, it's kind of just terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's typical BBC good, but, trying to keep yeah, up with, like, with the times. like, we're down with the kids. <laughs> but you can, you can tell it's chalk and cheese when they go, here's the old time section. And they're wearing those really like like fluffy dresses. Yeah. Um, with like a million petticoats and it's all it's it's lovely but the thing is i think what i was trying to say before is that neither of us have any interest in dancing as 
as a general rule, I guess. But we sit through 45 minutes of it. And although we don't know the ins and outs and, and you know, what kind of steps constitutes a tango and that kind of thing, and we wouldn't know what kind of dance it is we're looking at unless we were told beforehand, you can still sit there and you can appreciate and understand why they've got the number of points they have when they score it at the end. You can appreciate the fact that these dancers, it's called an amateur contest, but that doesn't, I think a lot of people I've seen talking about it might be misunderstanding what that means. It doesn't mean they're bad at it. It doesn't mean they just took it up last week and they're having a go at twirling around the floor. It means that they don't get paid for it. They're not professional at it. That's all amateur means in that context. They are very, very good. And some, like most of them, are, I think, range in ages usually between like say 18 and 25 is kind of the average we've seen isn't it some older some younger but mainly in that kind of age bracket but most of the time Ray comes over with his little commentary over the top and says you know she's 18 and she's been dancing for eight years with this partner for six months you know you can see the passion that these dancers have for it and I think as a contrast to the modern show I think it makes me take exception even more to Strictly now it's almost as if they're making fun of dancing in a way it does it does seem that without putting Strictly down it is an entertainment show at the end of the day yeah and the thing about this was it's a competition. It's basically reality television in a very early form. And pure form without trying to make fun of anything, without trying to engineer moments. You know, there aren't cameras going behind the scenes where they're waiting in the corridor, where they're getting changed because they've brought their costumes in the car from, you know, Great Yarmouth or whatever. It's just the dancing. They're not waiting to see the tears behind the scenes because, you know they've forgotten the shoe polish and the guy in the couple thinks that his shoes will look terrible. There's none of this extraneous stuff that isn't needed. Everything in it is necessary. None of it feels like, oh, wish I could fast forward this part. They don't leave anything in like that. It's just Dancing. packed with the subject it does what it says on the tin essentially come dancing you come to the tv and you watch some dancing and by the end you're like yeah i think really overall that team did do much better and like how into the formation dances are we no <laughs> they made a few mistakes there but i think overall that was a much more exciting you know collection of moves they did we like what are we talking about <laughs> I don't recognise us. <laughs> no. But we, we never agree on the formation dances. Uh, that, that's the one thing we don't Differing agree opinions. on. But I've seen people say, oh, the quality of the dancing isn't as good as it is, as it is now. And it's like, well, the thing you have to take into account is when you, when during the pandemic they were showing all those football games from the big match from the 1970s, were you sitting there going, oh, Ronaldo would run rings around them? Or were you just appreciating it as an art form in itself going in that time period, okay, they're, they're not flashy and they're not, you know, it's not like sexed up or anything. It's it's just, you know, it's, it's a bit straight-laced, which it's going to be because some of it's old time and it's rooted in older traditions. 
Um, but then they did other things at the time, like the good old days that kind of um, carried on with that type of thing. It was a bit more prominent, I guess. That is Come Dancing. It's still going on. I think because this has never been. <laughs> because this has never been. <laughs> what is it? Sorry. What? What's funny? I'm sorry. It's still going on. Makes it sound like they're still in the hall. <laughs> yes. They are still in the hall. What, 40, 45 years later. 44 years oh, later. Sorry. They're still there. Um, maybe that's why the results aren't up on, uh, on, on the internet. It's not been spoiled yet. Well, uh, no, because it hasn't been repeated pretty much since it was first aired. And so you're watching it and it feels completely new. And I've seen so many positive comments about it for many reasons because it's just a thing in its own right. Should it they, is. Should they bring it back? No. No. Um, leave it where it is. Uh, show as many as you happen to have. And... I'm looking forward to seeing who wins it because I have no idea. We saw one the other day where the score was tied at the end and we both looked at each other and went, so what, what happened? do they do now? What happens now? <laughs> and it turned out that whoever won the most sections is the one that goes through. And you're like, okay, that this is interesting. And Wogan's face was a picture. Um, so <laughs> that is Come Dancing. Let's wrap it up now. BBC Four on Sunday, 45 minutes from 7pm. Go and check it out because it is a wonderful piece of television that I'm glad they've dusted off a year after their centenary. Um, it's only a few months really, wasn't it? Because it, it, it's from November onwards. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Old Time Trio. Uh, please do rate, comment and subscribe. Go and check out the website oldtimereview.co.uk and from myself and Andrea, we'll see you on the next edition. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.